Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo, of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Welcome to episode 207 of the Indie Music Podcast. In tonight's episode, we talk about getting paid. We give an update on the studio puppy, Asia. We talk about various ways to implement payment types by using online accounting software, shopping carts, and third-party tools. We talk about some of the anxiety people feel about dealing with money and getting paid for their products and services. Enjoy the show. All right, all right. It's Wednesday night. <laughs> How's things in the shred? Nice. Uh, except for, you know, I got my one kid and he comes out here and asks me questions and he he doesn't spend any time out here, so he doesn't know. So he stands here and he leaves the door open while he's talking to me. He lets all the warm air out of here. <laughs> come in or get out, but don't leave the door open, man. I spent all day getting it nice and cozy in here. And now it's down to 50 degrees again. Anyway, other than that, yeah, it's all groovy. 50 sounds balmy. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I got to admit. Now, yesterday, yesterday was like it sprinkled. It was cold. It was overcast. And it happened to be the day that I picked to go into the city and tool around. But today, not a cloud in the sky. It was like balmy and 65. I was laying out and getting some sun. It's kind of crazy. And tomorrow's supposed to rain again. It's like 13-ish here. Oh, what? (laughs) Uh, Fahrenheit? That's Fahrenheit, yeah. Wow. (laughs) I mean, I I even put the grill on last night. (laughs) I was grilling some hot links, man. West Coast living, man. It's West Coast living. It's different out here. That's why we pay through the nose for that privilege. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we never count down anymore. I miss the countdown. Like, we've grown beyond it. I, but we, yeah. we can certainly do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm good at lining us up. When we go third party in here, it can be a little trickier. But it's just funny that. I don't have problem with it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> no, I know you don't. <laughs> Too funny. Uh, so, uh, well, sure, man. Let's count it down for old times. For old times sake. Uh, let's go three, two, two one. one. See? Yeah, you're right. We, we, we still really, got it, man. We really don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, man? How are you? How's your week going? It's going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a week, man. I just been a lot of hanging out puppy time, you know? Oh. That's getting really like probably 40 pound puppy now. Holy cow. Yeah. What are you feeding that thing? (laughs) Puppy food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have, I have no concept of how fast puppies grow, but I know they grow pretty quick, but she can sit and shake and high five and lay down and, and sit up. Nice. So far. Can she bring you a beer yet? No, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Fetch me a beer. (laughs) She's pretty smart. She's also, you mentioned, you know, the door open. So I got to let her out and it's like 13 degrees outside. Yeah. Every time she, we have like a little, like seven inch or less step down out of our door onto our back deck. Mm -hmm. And so she goes out there and anytime that she steps down there, she takes the opportunity to, Take a big stretch, you know, because oh, like, yeah. and, and so she's like <laughs> loitering in the doorway. It's like, get out. <laughs> stretch. Oh, out. 
I'm on my way. I'm just going to, oh, just it's like <laughs> ridiculous. You take your time. It's <laughs> too funny. All right. 13 degrees. She's, I'm not going to complain about yeah. my, uh, stuff. She likes it out there, man. Well, she's got a fur she's coat. She's like right? a, like a snow dog. Yeah. Yeah. Like most dogs. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, my. you've had snow though, right? Yeah. It's been snowing. She liked the snow? snow. Yeah. She loves it. Cool. She's out there pouncing around and <laughs> digging in. And she comes in. She gets, it's okay. I've been trying to get a picture, but I keep missing it. But she like goes out and roots around in the snow with her nose and then comes in and she's got like this whole like snow beard thing going on. How funny. It's so cute. So you're watching through the window. Have fun in the snow. I'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just be watching over here. In the other three seasons, we just pretty much leave the door open yeah. the whole time. And she'll be able to just like come and go out the back door as she pleases. So, Oh, well, that's cool. We're big fans of go outside and play. Yeah. Uh, I like that concept. <laughs> I used to do that with the kids, but yeah. they, they don't really go outside anymore. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not warm or, but there's also nothing to do, you know, it's not yeah, like they're going to only I mean, to come out and, and see if they can get in the studio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they're actually, you know what? They're too busy. They, they would actually like over the summer, they were just playing, they would go down and play catch and stuff um, at this, at the school, which is like a half a block away. But, yeah, they're both too busy doing schoolwork. No fun. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Uh, I was, uh, I did want to ask you if, you know, if I could get that 20 you owe me. <laughs> I was waiting to see if you're going to come up with your, uh, speaking of old times sake, uh, all your, your good transitions. <laughs> I was trying to work that in. Well, good is that. questionable. But. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get that over to you shortly, that. At 20 it's coming by um amazon drone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> keep your eye out that was my attempt at a segue into how to get paid so that's what oh, we're talking about tonight we used to be better at that but yeah how to get paid yeah we were talking about that it was it was an interesting discussion we were having on on slack earlier um and interesting that we hadn't really covered that yet but maybe well not, not really not that i recall anyway oh i thought but you were thought, gonna say not really it's not really interesting <laughs> no no i think it is interesting i think uh, a lot of people shy away from it in fact i think a lot of people feel a lot of what's a good word anxiety anxiety yeah there's a lot of anxiety about for for money for their services or their their music you know what if they're selling their music or if they're doing studio recording you know sessions or whatever you know and that is something that it's it's integral into basic into why we one of the reasons why we do what we do right i mean we work we do what we do to put put some bread in the cupboard <laughs> right. and <laughs> you know and and take care of family and everything that needs to be done you know there's uh, money's an important aspect of that well, yeah, it's it's absolutely essential, and you're absolutely right. There is there's not only anxiety. There's like this. There's like a stigma. It's like we're we're kind of taught not to talk about money. We're taught that it's not polite, uh, and I think as a result, I mean, we don't learn personal finance in school. Uh, I think as a result, there's just kind of like this void between, you know, getting an allowance and getting a job and what's in between, and and certainly charging for services as a I mean, even even as a musician, you know, 
I've got, I, I want to say it shows, I feel like I've almost gotten more free CDs and paid for CDs, but you know, asking for money at the, at the merch booth or, or whatever. I mean, there's yeah, musicians are hustling. They're trying to make a living. Sure. Uh, and, and then yet I see even they are, are, you know, hesitant to, to ask, you know, for, um, to, for money. And I think that thankfully there's these, um, kind of go-betweens like, like, um, Patreon and, you know, things that kind of become a mechanism and a way to, to make it almost like you're offloading the ask to a third party. Yeah. It makes it a little bit easier to say, oh yeah, um, I don't want to ask you for money in like an email, but you know, I'll ask you to support me on Patreon or I'll ask you to, you know, I'm, I'm raising money to put my album out, you know, here's a GoFundMe. I mean, I, I feel like yeah. that takes some of the anxiety burden off by offloading the, the ask to a third party. But yeah, it's, it's, there's still definitely a stigma about, you know, asking for what your, what your service is worth, whether you're a service provider or a musician, which, you know, that is a service you're asking, you want. I, I think it's a, it's just a way of looking at it really. Yeah. And there's the big question of um, how much do I charge? Right. What's the market rate? Have I ever hired anybody to do what I'm wanting to get paid for? And how do I find that type of information? You know, there's obviously you should go out and do some searching and just some basic Googling on how much to get paid for a studio session. Yeah. For tracking or something like that. And see just what kind of results you get back. It may or may not be accurate for you and what you do in your area, but you will begin to get some ideas of what is out there. Certainly other people that you know in the business that, that what you do, uh, different types of business groups and organizations are good places to get some information as to what kind of current rates are out there and what, uh, what's considered to be standard range of, of pricing, depending on, uh, other factors like your experience and things like right. that, you know, I was going to say the word range is key there because I think that information is probably easier to find now than ever, but I, I, you, yeah, range is important. Like you can't be starting out at something and expect to get paid the same amount as somebody who's a 10 year veteran. Right. That's, uh, and, and your market may be a factor beyond your experience. Um, there, there's a lot of factors. So yeah, consider you have to consider where you are in, in what stage you're at in your, in your journey and uh, what your market bears. Now, of course the market for some of the stuff like we do, it's a global market now. Uh, although people tend to want to, I think still work with people that are local to them that they may know personally or that are in their actual circles. But you know, with everybody with remote work becoming, you know, normalized in the past <laughs> 12 months, uh, I think that things that were local only markets are now more global. Yeah. You and I both know that we've been all over the gamut and different types of, of pricing and sure. specials and different types of packages of, of service packages and things like that. And that's all just a matter of trying to creatively figure out something that people want and are willing to, to compensate you for in return for those services. But it just takes a lot of really trial and error, I think. You also have to ask yourself, what am I willing 
what's the least amount I'm willing to work for? Right. And then <laughs> what's the desired amount that I want to work for? And, and then work in that, within those boundaries to find out what your customers are willing to pay in your market. The, the people or the businesses that you are actually in contact with and consider to be, you know, potentials or prospects. And because it may be different for different customers, depending on different reasons, uh, where they're located, where you're located, and what type of project is it? What is the size of the project? Is it really big? Are you giving discounts because it's a big project um, versus if it's a small project and it's going to be your premium rate? There's lots of different factors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was just having a talk earlier today with my uh, co-work accountability partner uh, who actually we've had on the podcast before, uh, Alex Winters. Um, she's uh, yeah. building out a new kind of um, tiered uh, levels of, um, I guess, merch and stuff for her fans. And so this is something that you do as a musician. You know, you have, you know, Tier one is maybe the free song that you get for signing up for the mailing list. And tier two is, um, you know, buy a CD for $5 or, or, you know, free plus shipping. And then the next tier is, um, you know, t-shirt. And then the next tier is I write a song for you. I mean, like even, even for musicians beyond, you know, as we we're talking about being a service provider, but even musicians have those different considerations, what level, of person am I serving? What level do I think people are willing to buy in at? Yeah. So, and then it crosses planes into, uh, into product-based business. Right. Because at the end of the recording, you've produced a product that you're selling or in the case of merch, you know, I mean, that's retail. Yeah. I think that even easier than what we're doing, that has kind of like a, a built-in prior art. I mean, you either, as an indie musician, you're either selling your CD for $5 or $10 or $15. You're selling a keychain for a kind of certain amount of price. You probably give your stickers away for free. Maybe a patch is $3. I mean, I've been to enough merch booths that I can like rattle off all the, and a t-shirt is $15. If it's an yeah. older one, a new one is 25 and the long sleeve one is the, and a hoodie is, you know, 45. I mean, you know, the, that stuff's like prior art is, is just in the industry and it kind of, everybody has an expectation about how much that costs, but you know, when you get to other services, like, you know, how much does it cost to say edit vocals or track drums? And some of that stuff is so much more specialized and, and experience dependent and market dependent and project dependent that, uh, that might be a little harder to track down. You might want to yeah. just call some people and say, hey, what do you charge? And then put that in the, <laughs> in your notebook. Okay. This guy charges this much. And then, you know, do a little research. Yeah. And then once you establish that and you've got, you've got sales, then your next, your next hurdle is how to collect money for that. Absolutely. Which seems trivial, but it's really not. And there's, um, you know, there's a stigma that's related to accepting money as well. And yes. that may be, I don't really want to take credit cards because I have to pay an additional, whatever, 3.2% or whatever and transaction fees to the right. to the credit card processor and that's coming off of my profits type of thing and i wanted to talk about how i feel that that is severely limiting oh totally limiting yourself 
in reaching clients and also forcing a payment structure on on those customers instead of providing it in more of a service-oriented mentality of whatever it is that you need, <laughs> however you want to give me money, I want right. to be able to accept it from you that way, you know? so Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that discussion come up in one of those uh one of those facebook groups like the six figure home studio like oh i don't want to you know i don't want to pay service charges to paypal or or visa like well dude have you ever been to a store and you wanted to pay with a card and they said no cash only and you're like well i guess i won't buy your stuff then i mean any merchant that takes a visa whether it's target or whatever they're paying three to four percent on every transaction and they do it because they know that you'll buy more and you're more likely to, to shop there if it's convenient to you. It's a whole, it's a, it's a matter of reducing friction between you and your customer. If your customer wants to give you money and the price of that transaction is 3%, eat the 3%. That's a business cost. You can write that off your taxes later on. But in the meantime, you are making your customer happy, serving them better by allowing them to pay you for your service, whatever, in whatever fashion is convenient to them. Yeah. It's also convenient for you to accept absolutely credit cards. I mean there's there's reduced banking time. Yes. So I don't know if you like standing in line at a bank or driving. Yeah, what's your time bank. worth, right? Yeah. You have to consider that. And the gas that it takes to get there, waiting in traffic, depending on where you're living. Yeah, and lines now you have to stand six feet apart, so the line is always out the door, right? Yeah. You're definitely gonna yeah, it's gonna be drive through. Yeah. Which is going to be limited to the bank hours. Right. So uh, you've got to do that during their hours, whatever those may be, you know. So um, it's, there's no transactions on Sunday. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> right. Those types of things. And I think that type of mentality is severely limiting the person who has that, you know, that stigma in their ability to conduct business at a level that they have potential for. Yeah. I just, I just don't understand that kind of uh, nickel and dime mentality where I, yeah, you know, you have to pay me in cash cause I don't want to pay PayPal, you know, 1.9% or however much 2.9% or whatever they charge yeah. these days. I mean, don't get me wrong, except cash. Oh, sure. Cash is good. Cash is good, but. And checks are fine. The thing is, is, is have a full spectrum of ways that people can pay you. So, whether it be, you know, cash or check, you know, bank draft. We still haven't hit credit cards yet. And if you do bank drafts, that's, you may pay a little bit of a bank fee on that one, but it is significantly less than, than credit cards. Yeah. It's probably half or more like, like it's only like 1%. It might be 1% versus yeah. 3%. Yeah. Yeah. So that can be significant on a large transaction. I will say I, I, I don't mind taking a check for things because now I can mobile deposit them with my phone. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to go to a bank to, or even an ATM to deposit Exactly. Check. Yeah. Checks are fine. It's just like, what do you do with the, the check when you're done? <laughs> well, so, I write a note well, on it that it was mobile deposited and then I keep it for a week and then I shred it. Yeah. That's what I do. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say that, but I have a little envelope full of checks that need to be shredded because I don't really. Yeah, me too. I keep them around because I'm. that's how far behind I am on my books. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I just did my taxes this week, business oh, taxes. Yeah. That was kind of a pain. Even even though I'm using uh, online accounting software now, it still didn't 
Well, it yeah. made it a little easier than the old style spreadsheet. Right. Up all my emails, but not that much easier. The online accounting software, that kind of leads into begging the question, well, how do I accept credit cards? Right. There's different ways to do that. And I think you and I both approach this in a similar way, if I understand, mm-hmm. is that we both use an online accounting software right. service, which provides credit card processing as part of the service. Yes. Whoever that may be. Okay. QuickBooks does it. QuickBooks Online. Is that what you use, QuickBooks? No, I, I use uh, Wave Apps. Oh, I use Wave App too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, they charge 3% or yeah. 2.9% or whatever it is. Right. Which is the same as if you were at a merchant account and did it yourself. But yeah, that's okay. I also, I set up a Stripe. So I'm able to, um, outside of my accounting software, do some stuff that I've I've written that's more code related. So if you have some experience in like writing for web applications and websites, you can certainly use some of the technology that's out there for payment processing that you still pay a fee for, but you pay a little less. Okay. Now, obviously there's PayPal. Right. Which I use and have used yeah. uh, basically since it was available. Yeah. You know, I've got uh, PayPal me link on my invoices. Yep, you could do a little PayPal short link and, and put that yep. on your invoice. And I have a PayPal business account and a PayPal personal account. So, yes, same here. I think it's good to keep that separated. Absolutely. PayPal actually adds a, a level of complexity that, to me, is a little over the top in, in managing the transactions and the transfers and everything. I don't know. It just depends on, on how you like it, you know. But Yeah, I feel like they, on purpose, and I've seen other services do this, um, even banks where you can do and Venmo too, they do, you can do an instant transfer for a fee, or you can do what's called a standard transfer, yeah. um, for which will take two to three business days. So if you want the money now, you're going to pay a service charge kind of yeah. like, you know, priority mail versus first class mail, except it's electronic and completely arbitrary in the way that it's set up just to cause you to want to pay them extra. But yeah. And I, I never do that. I never do it either. The two to three <laughs> business days. I'm fine with that. Yeah. It's what's the big deal. It, uh, it's just a matter of cash flow and, and yeah. whatever, you know, so two to three business days you know, generally is not, uh, an issue. I guess if you're really strapped, you know, that might be something you wanted to do, or if you had, uh, to, to make a quick purchase for something and get that money to the bank where you could, you know, have that cash available. Yeah. Hopefully you're not in that I position, but I can see that being a yeah. case sometimes. And then the one extra 1% or whatever is totally worth it to you. Yeah. If, um, obviously there's lots of different like, uh, uh, web store, uh, services out there and, uh, those all have integrated payment processing in them and I don't use any of them. There is one that I use. It's, it's kind of like, it takes some coding experience, but you basically use short codes in your HTML. And oh, in WordPress, you mean? And it implements their API. They they do have WordPress WordPress plugins, but they they provide just direct access to the API, and and you can just use their their short codes and and uh, uh, code snippets in order to implement into your own website. Is this uh, like WooCommerce or something? It's actually Snipcart. It's a it's JavaScript based okay shopping cart, and it's actually really really nice. When you're up and rolling, uh, like, I don't actually remember 
So just to have it, and if you don't meet a certain amount of sales, it costs you $10 per month. Okay. And then if you go over a certain amount, then you pay 10 plus whatever percentage over that amount is. Anyway, it, it ends up being not very much money, especially if you're making a lot of web sales. You come out you know, about the same as you would or a little less than uh, direct credit card processing. Well, that's interesting. Do they provide the SSL encryption or do you have to have your own certificate? No, they provide it. So uh, oh, okay. you, you would want to have it you're on your own anyway, but sure, but not for reasons of, because when a, when a, a visitor uh, interacts with your, with your cart on your website, yeah, you are actually in like in a secure iframe. Oh, uh, okay. And so you're in there, you're in their domain under the, underneath their SSL. So theoretically you wouldn't have to have your own SSL security and you would still be compliant for credit card transactions because those are actually happening on another, on the, the Snipcart application website. Yeah. I feel like right now though, uh, with the changes in browsers last year, uh, where they have very strict um, SSL checking and warnings now, both Firefox and um, Chrome, I feel like it really is kind of probably behooves you if you want to sell anything through a website to make sure that you have an SSL certificate. Otherwise people are going to see browser warnings, even if your cart is secure or your page that you're selling cart, if it has mixed elements that are encrypted or not encrypted. Yeah. I think it's going to probably put some people off. Yeah. And there's some other things too, as far as your website marketing is concerned, Uh, you will definitely get better rankings for having a secured website than you do for a non-secured. I forgot about that. Yeah. Google rankings are going to, they said they were going to last year at the end of the year start down ranking sites that didn't have SSL, kind of like a like a like a ranking penalty if you don't have a secure website. Yeah. Even if there's nothing important on your website that needs to be secured, I think just for just for security's sake and just to kind of make it across the web. Yeah, but that's one of the nice standard. things about not doing that yourself on your own website. You don't have to worry about that because it's a really big deal. If you do accept credit cards on your own website, that you have to uh, ensure the security of the of the visitors who are giving you their personally identifiable information and financial right. information. Right. That's not trivial. No, so, it's not. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. So using other sites or using accounting services, you know, like you and I do, that, that's really the the path of least resistance in my, in my opinion, to be able to provide uh, lots of different payment options to your customers, which is really a part of your service. And it is. And to help you actively collect the money that's owed you and get that where you need it, which is in your bank account. Right. Oh, I was going to say an easy way to set up a storefront for things like t-shirts and merch and, and CDs, just Put all that stuff on your Bandcamp page. They yeah. let them worry about the SSL certificate and the cash handling. I know there's some fees around thing. that too, you sure. know, but you know, everybody's got uh, a little bit in the till, you know, so. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I think that people forget that the reason that there's a fee is because they're providing you a service. Right. Just like you're providing somebody else a service, you want to get paid. Well, this, uh, this other website is providing you a service by handling your money for you. Yeah. Uh, that. That's worth money. That's yeah, worth it. It's the cost of doing business. It's the cost of doing business. Absolutely. 
And if you're a musician, you're an independent business person. You know, you're a, you're, you're a, what do they call it? A musepreneur, <laughs> musicpreneur. Um, and if you sell something, you are in business. And if you're selling your music, you're a business person and things. And I, I think that more mature people understand that you pay for services. And if, if the cost of doing business over PayPal is 3% or whatever, so that you can take credit cards and make your, and have your fans buy more stuff from you, uh, then you just, so what? <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, for mus musicians in particular, it's really difficult because the payouts, it's so hard to, to, to get a decent payout like yeah. in streaming. Sure. And trying to sell CDs and merch. There's a lot of work involved in that. Yeah. And getting it out there and, and uh, you're, you're gotta, you know, you're not only making music, but you're selling and right. you're, you're a salesperson and not everybody's really good at being a salesperson. No, they're two completely different skill sets. And yeah. just like two different hats to wear, you know? Yeah. All the hats, you know, the, the business yeah. person, you know, the accounting person, marketing. <laughs> the marketing person, <laughs> you know, and you've been in business for any length of time, then you've worn a lot of these hats, <laughs> you know? Oh yes. And there's time involved in assuming that role. And that's, every week or every few days or whatever the case may be for what it is that you're doing, you know, you're having to spend time working on the business and uh, versus spending time recording your music and things like that, which is, right. which is also working on the business, but that's, uh, you it know, is, but you don't think of it that way as a creative person, it's different than, you know, you're not a book binder, you know, you're actually creating something from nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes it's hard to ask for money for that. It's like, I don't know, is this worth something? The way I delineate it is that there's working on the business and then there's working in the business. Correct. We all want to work in the business all the time, doing what it's, we, that's what it's we It's usually more fun. Yeah, it's usually there's, more there's more fun there. It's what we are doing it for. It's our, where our passions are. And then, but working on the business is all the stuff that we need to do in order to support us, in order to continue to work yeah. in the business. No offense to accountants, but there's not really anything sexy about accounting. Yeah, you guys, <laughs> you gals. There's not it's, anything uh, sexy about patching websites. It's, it's just not, you know, it's just not interesting. I'm sorry. It lacks sex appeal. It really does. <laughs> but it's got to be done. It's super important to you know, make sure your, you know, your SSL certificate is up to date and your DNS name is registered and. Yep. That it doesn't expire. You put that. You put that thing on a on a auto renewal right right now. Yeah. Thank you, you know, <laughs> accountants and and uh, tax people. Thank you for being you. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody is somebody's got to do, it, especially this time of year, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. This is like we're getting heading towards the tax accounting season. and tax people. This is like they're so excited right now. <laughs> this it's is why. Bit. This is why they come to work the rest of the year. You right, know, this, rubbing this their is hands together. <laughs> now, to be fair, um, of course, a lot of musicians are sole proprietors, but uh, an actual business business does not have to have its business fiscal year end on April fifteenth. That's actually not normal. No, um, I actually have mine set to be through the calendar year. Just to yeah, that's easy. mine is too. It's just easy. Yeah. My work is opposite. It ends on June 30th. That's their end fiscal year. So June is always an interesting month. Yeah. I think, you know, it's only when you get into larger organizations and, and lots more complex financial yeah. structures and 
and expense expenditures and things like that, where they want to move that stuff around the calendar year. Sure. Uh, so it's not all happening at one time because maybe, you know, tax season is so huge that to actually have your fiscal year end in January doesn't give you enough time to actually prepare the corporate taxes or something like that. You know, you may want to have a fiscal year that ends earlier so that you've got more time to prepare, you know. Yeah, that's probably true. Considering how many people, you know, take vacations and time off around the holidays. True. That's probably not the best time to try to prepare big corporate taxes. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, there's lots of different reasons for that. But yeah, for me, it's simple and yeah, there's no reason to uh, do any offsetting like that. Yeah, me either. Now you had an interesting point um, about the anxiety and I was, I had been thinking about this recently um, for reasons, but it seems to me that the two most anxious um, kind of milestones uh, when it comes to being a a business person, uh, the first is asking for money for the first time. And the second one is probably raising your rates. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yeah. But the thing is, is that, what goes along with that is getting, when you ask for money for the first time, is that you're probably going to get paid money for the first time. <laughs> right. And, which is like, <laughs> so if you want to talk about bipolar yeah, and the anxiety, so you're, that's, you know, it's going to be worth it because you get through that. And there is, I, I understand where you're coming from on that. That's, uh, you know, especially if you're just starting out and you've just done your first invoice and you spent eight hours revising it over and over again, you know, and <laughs> yeah, you know, and trying to word things in different ways and price structures and different things and looking at the oh, bottom yeah. line on it, you know. And, oh yeah, uh, that's that's like yeah, the ramp up to your first ask as a professional is 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 like <laughs> it's almost like enough to make you pass out. Yeah, <laughs> but when you're through that, you're gonna have. Uh, the ability to take your first dollar and hang it on the wall, you know? Yeah, so it's yeah. going to be good. Well, unless you got it via PayPal or Stripe, because then there's <laughs> nothing to hang on the wall. <laughs> yeah. You can like print out the receipt or something. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. I- and then raising your prices. Well, raising your prices is something that you need to plan. And, mm. uh, and it's something that you need to put some thought into. Why do I need to raise my prices? Yeah. I resist raising my prices because I think that I have other ways that I can achieve the same thing as raising my prices. <laughs> yeah. I can become more efficient in some ways. I can reduce my expenses in some ways. And I should always be looking at that because even if I'm not raising my prices, I should be looking at improving how I do things and, and the cost of doing business. Oh, sure. Because whenever you're able to... Uh, reduce those overhead expenses, then you are in effect being able to raise your rates without charging more. If you That's understand. true. That's a very good point. Yeah. Hopefully uh, when you get to the point of feeling like you need to raise rates, it's because you're getting so much work that you need to, yeah. to only take the upper tier of, of the people that you. That I don't think you need to, to feel <laughs> bad or anxious about it at that point. If you've gone through and you've done everything that you can do to mitigate and reduce your overhead expenses and improve your processes so that you're providing your product or service more efficiently. Mm-hmm. And you, so you're spending less time doing it, which gives you the ability to take more jobs. Yeah, you're right. You should do that first. 
you should definitely do that first. That's my opinion. And if you have done all that and and all the costs of doing business and overhead that's around you is continuing to go up, you have no other choice but yeah. to to then go ahead and adjust whatever your pricing structures are for for what it is that you're you're providing or what you're selling. I think it's prudent to do that with warning. Yes, so I agree. If you're like me or you, we have clients that we continue to work with right. over time. Repeat customers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is a different um, situation if you rarely have repeat customers. That's a good point. If you don't have repeat customers, then you can probably arbitrarily change your rates. <laughs> no, nobody would know. In fact, well, you could do it anytime you want. You could yeah. up and down depending on the season, which is what you see in retail. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are retail, then it's all dependent upon what you're able to uh, purchase your product at at wholesale, you know, so that right. could, could vary all the time anyway. So I think in that type of business, um, people expect people are going to shop you and yeah. they're going to find yeah. out what are your competitors doing. So there's a whole another aspect of how do I price my product and service based on what other people are selling the same thing for? Yeah, that's a good point. Which that could, that could also happen with uh, service-based businesses, not just not uh, just somewhat. Retail. It just depends on the quality of the service that you're getting too. Yeah. How do you compare that? So that's where experience and what it is that you're doing and having your basically your repertoire, things like that, any other accolades, awards, and things. Right, and your portfolio. You know, somebody ideally in in our situation, we have you know music out there that people can listen to as an example of what we provided. Yeah. And, and that's really one that of the way. more important things for people in the business of audio is to present the audio that they've worked on. That's absolutely really important. So that if you're a musician, your music, whether you've written it and recorded it yourself or that you've played on it with others and it's been produced by others, whatever that case may be, that's important for you. That's, that's an asset for you to, to be able to get that out there and share that with others. And, somehow always pointing people even if it's not your project even if you don't make a dime on it by other people going to buying it but you were involved in it it benefits you and others to help them sell that you know what i mean yep so whatever you can do to you know that's the part of of being in service to others i guarantee it'll always come back in some way or form but you don't have to be concerned with that. You know, if you, if you just have a, a service-oriented mind, the, um, the benefits that come back from that are often astounding and always surprising. And I don't know if you've experienced that. but just A little bit, yeah. It's really, really something neat. And, and it feels good, you know, when yes. you're of service of and helping others. So, uh, you know, if you approach the way you do business in that way, I really almost, <laughs> I think you have to try to, to mess things up. It just, <laughs> it just takes time and patience, you know? Right. It does take time. It's, it's the long game and it does, it falls in line with that saying, uh, um, a rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as you're, you're, it, it helps the greater music community and the greater service community to be positive and to kind of, you know, support everybody around you in any way that you can. Yeah. And then, you know, you do those things and it becomes a little easier to ask for money. Yeah. It's not like you're always asking for money. A lot of times you're giving. Right. Don't always be a taker. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no. And then, yeah, back to our point is 
provide lots of different ways for people to to compensate you. Don't make it such a narrow path that they have to follow that it's difficult and or they are not willing to. Yeah, and there's plenty of options. I mean, there's Stripe, there's Square, there's PayPal, there's Venmo, there's uh, you know direct bank transfer. There's a whole bunch of of and and you know shop around. Probably some uh, have a couple and uh, kind of figure out what your your people uh, are asking for. I mean, I signed up for Venmo because that's what somebody wanted to pay me with because that's what the kids are doing these days. <laughs> because yeah. Venmo is an app that kind of. It has, it's not gamified, but it's kind of got a social aspect to it, um, which makes it more fun to pay people um, for stuff and really easy to use on your phone. So yeah, I signed up for Venmo. I like it. I don't use it that much, but when I do, I'm glad I have it. Yeah. Um, yeah speaking of which, you know, you can, you can receive money on Facebook. Yep. That's fairly new, but if you're on social that way, I don't know about the other, you know, I don't think you can do that on uh you know, Twitter or Instagram, but direct, yeah. you can receive payments directly through Messenger on Facebook. Yeah, I heard about that, but I haven't done that yet. But yeah, that's probably part of their integrated with their their new marketplace. Yeah. Uh, well, if you're thing. if you're in a message in Messenger, having a conversation with someone, just type type some, is you know money, or <laughs> and it'll actually give you like a thing you know where you can click on then to request money or send money. Oh, that's cool. No, I had no idea. <laughs> Hopefully you don't do that by accident, but yeah, no, no, you have to intentionally do it. But. But yeah. I think the bottom line is that there's a lot of ways to accept and send electronic payments. And, and, uh, if, if you're getting hung up on the fact that they charge for their service to you, uh, I think that that's just being short-sighted. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, maybe that's hard to take, but yeah, but if that's the case, we think you're short-sighted. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe you're not ready for maybe you're not ready to be a business person <laughs> if you're not willing to pay for services, but you're asking people to pay you for services. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Well, that's all I got on it. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to end on that note, but uh, it's all about reducing friction and, and keeping your customers happy. Yeah. You're uh, short about have a good week. Thanks. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> right. Yeah, just put yourself in their shoes. Um, you know, what would you, uh, you know, how would, how do you feel if you go to go up to a counter, you're hungry, you want a sandwich and they say they could take cash and you have no cash, you know, think of your customer like that, make it easy for them to pay you. How hard? Yeah. That's not hard. <laughs> not these days. It's not hard. Anyway. Yeah. That's all I got. There you have it. <laughs> Well, this has been a very uh, lively discussion. I enjoyed it. Lively? Lively. It's been lively. Lively and lovely. Lovely discussion. I think it's an important one. It is an important one. Because, um, uh, yeah, people talk about the music business all the time. It is a business. Um, and if you're making money or trying to, which I think most of us are, uh, then you're a business person. Yeah. So, and, it's, and it's okay to make money. Yes. Yes. You know, and uh, yeah, you don't have to feel bad about asking to be compensated for something of value that you provide to others. You know, that there you go. is what it's about. That's a much better note to end on. Thank you, Doug, for that summation. <laughs> yeah, you're for, you're now forgiven for your terrible transition. <laughs> Life vest thrown out. <laughs> All right. 
Thank you all for listening. We hope you're enjoying the show. And uh, yeah, have a great week, everybody. Yeah, thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>